Welcome, welcome. Good to see all of you here this morning. I hope that uh, this morning's lesson, our singing, our classes has been and will continue to be an encouragement uh, to you in your spiritual walk. The following quote appeared in a 2018 New York Times opinion essay entitled, The Boys Are Not All Right. The past 50 years have redefined what it means to be female in America. Girls today are told they can do anything, be anyone, and they absorb this message very well. In 2018, perhaps still even today, they were outperforming boys in school at every level. But the question is, what are our boys getting? Are they getting what they need? Many books have been written talking about the emotional life of boys. Raising Cain by Kindlin and Thompson and Boys Adrift by Leonard Sachs. Both fantastic books to help us see and understand the very, uh, the very important factor of what our boys need. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. Specifically though, what it is that men need. For if we know what our men need today, we know what our boys need, we can give them those things so that they might grow up to be the men that God has called us all to be. The first thing we need, we need healthy women. There are unhealthy women, of course. Let's talk about that first. There are unhealthy women who take advantage of the weaknesses of men. Weaknesses that usually involve the flesh. And Scripture warns us of these. Previously in this passage, it says, Young men, listen to the direction of your father. Listen to the direction of your mother. That's in verse 20. Then we reach verse 24. It says this, To keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress, do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. For on account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, and an adulteress hunts for the precious life. Perhaps you've seen in comedies or cartoons how Bugs Bunny might act if the girl Bunny kissed him. He was reduced to a loaf of bread, basically. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? There are unhealthy women in this world. There were unhealthy women in Scripture, Delilah being one. She betrayed Samson in Judges chapter 16. She was selfish and betrayed him for her people. When we marry, we become one in the flesh with our spouse, but Delilah sought out her own desires. We read of Potiphar's wife in Genesis 39. Joseph said no, he would not lie with her. He knew it would be improper for Potiphar. He knew it would be improper towards his relationship with God. So he said no to Potiphar's wife, and then she told a lie on him. And he ends up uh, suffering in, in jail because of that unhealthy woman. Unhealthy women today may have wounds that need healing. And men, we of course have our baggage as well. 
But it's in God's wisdom that we find one another and through God's wisdom that we can heal one another with His redeeming love, with what He teaches through personal growth. We can all be healthy for one another and and pick one another up through our difficulties. Well, the healthy women that we know and love today and that we can see in Scripture to follow their examples are indicated here. Ruth, in the book named after her, was dedicated in doing the right thing. She didn't think of herself, but she lived for others. And she married Boaz and helped him to become the man that God wanted him to be. We read in 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul writing to the young preacher Timothy, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he didn't speak of his father. We're not sure of the role that he had with Timothy. But Paul thought it necessary to call out the healthy women in Timothy's life and who it was that encouraged him to be the young Christian man that he was. And probably a lesser known character, we read of in 1 Samuel chapter 25 of Abigail. She was courageous in that she spoke openly to King David about a conflict between him and her husband Nabal. David was ready to go to battle with Nabal and his men. And Abigail, the wife of Nabal, goes before King David with many offerings and apologizes for her husband. Nabal was not a good man. But Abigail, you see, stopped a battle between King David and her husband. And we read this in verses 32 and 33. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your discernment, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. Men, we need healthy women in our lives. We need women who are dedicated like Ruth, godly like Lois and Eunice, And we need women like Abigail who are courageous enough to tell us when what we're doing is wrong and foolish. And at that point, we can go along and be the men that God has called us to be. We have good and bad qualities. And we need healthy women in our lives. We also need children in our lives. Those that went to camp had... Uh, as many children as they wanted last week. And not that they need to father children, not that necessarily. But men should be influencing the next generation, whether they're your children by birth or your children that you're able to engage in at church camp, that you're you're able to engage in here at the church building through Lads to Leaders, through Bible class, Your influence needs to be felt because your influence is vital to our communities. In a family with both parents, each has a unique set of of qualities that the children learn from. They learn from their mother. They learn from their father. But there are some children who do not have both parents. And for the most part, they only have a mother in the largest portion of single parent homes. You may be the only good man 
that some children see. And manhood must be observed and passed on. It is not being observed by a large portion of our society. And that society needs to see the strongest parts of you. And they need to be passed on. Without the influence of men, and we're seeing this in many ways, but without the influence of men, there is the effectual feminization of our boys. And they're missing out on the best parts of what it is to be a man. Children are weapons. We understand weapons, don't we? You ever shoot a bow and arrow? I did growing up. Taught Campbell, taught Mason how to shoot a bow and arrow as well. Psalm 127 says this, Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. We've got arrows, we've got a quiver full of them here. Well, let's look at the qualities. Why make that comparison? Why are children like arrows? I read this over the weekend and thought it was appropriate. Arrows and children must be carefully shaped and formed. You can make arrows out of branches if it's pliable enough, if it's straight enough. Find an arrowhead, some feathers. It's carefully shaped, though, is the important portion here and how one must shape an arrow like they shape children. Also, children must be guided with skill and with strength. Children must be cared for or they will not fly straight. My, one of my favorite shows is on History Channel now alone. A fellow walking through the woods loses his quiver of arrows. He's ready to quit. Lost the best tool that he had at his disposal. He didn't care for them well enough. Children, like arrows, must be aimed and given direction. They will not find it on their own. There are many today who believe that a child born as a blank slate is best off left to their own devices and learning on their own. And that is a lie that is being perpetrated on people. Do not believe it. To our young adults who have young children, to our young children who will someday be parents themselves, you have to aim your child. You have to be the one to raise them and to give them direction. And if they question that, that's fine. Let them question it. They'll find out how true it is or you'll learn something along the way in your philosophy on life, whatever that might be. Hopefully it's Christian. Arrows are an extension of the warrior. More on that in just a little bit. And also, both arrows and children have the potential for good or for evil. The passage continues in chapter 127 and verse 5. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies at the gate. And he's talking about the warrior. Or he was talking about the warrior with the arrows. The verse continues on in verse 5. The warriors, the parents, right, will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies at the gate. At the gate, you see, is where the enemy finds out if he can take over your city. And what would you rather be saying? My son, he's big and strong. Growing up to be a fine young man. He's good 
at a lot of things, has, has a lot of good talents? Or would you rather say, my son sits around a lot, I guess. Doesn't have many talents. Doesn't know, doesn't know what he's going to do with his life. You know, would you rather be saying that? Because you know what the enemy's going to say? Hey, we got a city over here. They're young men, typically the strongest in the city. They're young men. They're weaklings. Let, let's go take this city over. You don't want to be saying that. Gentlemen, as we raise our sons. Mothers, as we raise our sons. We don't want to be saying that about them because we want to raise children who are strong and capable, who are able to take care of their own families later on as they grow up. Now, similar to the enemies in the gate is the neighbor you might be talking to, going over to the gate, going over to the fence, and, and talking about your children. You want to be proud when you're standing there. You want to be proud of your children. You want to be able to say that you've passed on your values to those children. You want to be proud of who and what they are. And whatever answer you give at the gate, whatever answer you give at the fence post talking to your neighbor, it's your responsibility. It is your responsibility to raise those children in a godly manner. So that when they grow up, they're passing on your values. They're passing on your ideals as to what it is to be a man what it is to be who you are, to be a decisive, assertive individual who knows and loves God and who wants to be a light in their community. So we need children, we need healthy women, and we need each other in our lives. Men, we prize the independent spirit. It is a sign of Strength to do things by yourself. But in reality, we need each other. Proverbs 27 talks about this. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. As we talk, as we spend time with one another, I'm hearing good things about what's going on in your life. I'm telling you what's going on with me. and Hopefully as a result, we're better from being with one another. He who tends the fig tree will eat its fruit. He who takes care of the fig tree. He who takes care of his child. He who takes care of his wife. He who takes care of himself. He who takes care of those that look up to him will eat of that fruit. He who cares for his master will be honored. He who is doing the responsible things that God, when He looked down at Adam and He said, what's going on between you and Eve? Who did He look at? He looked at Adam. He's looking at us today as well. We've got to sharpen one another. We've got to be there for one another. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. What's going on in your heart? I can see it. Perhaps you can see what's going on in other men's hearts because you've been there. You've struggled with what they've struggled with. And the way they talk about a subject, the way they reflect upon something going on in their life, especially our older gentlemen here, you think, I know what he's going through. I've been there. 
we reflect one another. So we've got to take care of each other. I don't want you faltering. I don't want you falling down. We've got to be there for one another. Great men of the Bible spent time together. David and his mighty men, I preached on this a while back, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, David, a mighty warrior, said, I need more men to fight with me. And he didn't go and find weak men, he found good men. He found strong men that he knew that he could depend on. And some of their names mean courage, dedication, loyalty. The top three that is spoken of in this chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 23, talks about the kind of man that we should aspire to be. Jesus, when He was ready to change the world, the Son of God said, you know what? I need more men. I can do a lot, Jesus said, but I've got to pass this on. I've got to pass what I've been sent here to teach and what I've been sent here to do. I've got to give that to more men. Jesus had women with Him too, and they had a strong part in it as well, but He went and He called out His twelve originally. Not, not perfect men, but men who were willing to listen. Gruff men. Power-hungry men. And He made them live, and He made them work together. And these men saw one another's weaknesses. And they watched as they struggled with Jesus' difficult teachings, overcoming desires, overcoming sinful natures. That Jesus said, you can't act like that. You've got to be a man of God. And each one probably challenging the other and encouraging the other to get through their difficulties. And what did they become? They became great men of God that we even read about today. You are a great man in your own world. Your job needs you. We need you here. Your family needs you as well. Your family has put you on a horse as their champion, as their knight in shining armor. And go forth today and be a hero to them. But you've got to earn that spot. You've got to earn that spot. And once you do, though, you better be careful. Because your family doesn't want to see you fall off that horse. It's pretty devastating to them, actually, when you do. If you have fallen off, you can get back on. You can get back on that mighty horse. It shows strong character to admit mistakes, to correct them, to admit your your faults, speak to your son, speak to your daughter about that. It's okay to do that. Otherwise, you've got to die on that horse for your family. Who will understand if you fall off? Who will understand? Who Who will hug you? Who may even cry with you if you fall off? Other men. Other men will be there for you. Because you see, other men want to see other men succeed as they carve out their own place in the world. Other men understand more than anyone else when you fail because they've probably been there as well. Proverbs 27, 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know how you know you're close to someone? When they tell you something, nobody else will. That's how you know somebody loves you. 
So when you've got that friend, when you need to hear those words, look for the person that does that for you. Because we need each other. And lastly, men need God in their lives. In the book of Genesis, man was made in the image of God. What do you see when you look at God? You see someone who is decisive. You see someone who listens. You see a man, Jesus, who walked on this earth and he took charge. He loved and was aggressive as well. But we see that God is our strength in Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. When you feel weak, where do you go? You probably keep trying to turn inward because of that independent spirit. Or maybe you reach out to someone else that you depend on for strength and encouragement, and maybe that's what God's doing for you. Sending you somebody that you need. But how often are you spending time with our Heavenly Father? Seeing the wisdom that He has, seeing the wisdom that you should have, seeing the wisdom that you should be imparting onto your children. How much are you doing that? If you're faltering, if you feel weak, it's probably because you do need to spend more time with your Heavenly Father. What's interesting, that's not often talked about, we learn from Jesus that a good man is a dangerous man. Now that's an odd thing to say, but I heard this one time and I thought, you know what? It's exactly right. Let me tell you what I mean. A good man is a dangerous man. Because he wants to stop evil from infiltrating his world. Jesus was dangerous to those who were denying his existence and his deity. He pushed back against them. He pushed back against political forces, against religious forces. And to those people who denied that he was the Son of God, he was a very dangerous man. But he was a good man. And men, we should strive to be the same as well. Here's a sentiment that Jesus shared. I don't hear it very much. But in chapter 22 and verse 36, Jesus said to them, But now whoever has a money belt is to take it along, likewise also a bag, and whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. Why a sword? Why is Jesus telling them to take a sword? Not to be an aggressor, not to attack, but to defend as would be necessary with their impending persecution. A good man should be dangerous to those who threaten him and his family. Dangerous to those he finds a threat to his community. Many in favor of abortion say that men shouldn't have an opinion on the matter. Well, we should have an opinion because it is an atrocity in our communities. It is something that has thankfully changed in recent times. A good man should be dangerous to the ideologies that he finds inappropriate because our enemies are no longer storming the gates. They're no longer there. They're actually much, much closer than that. They're infiltrating steadily the minds of our children. And men, we must see that and we must work to keep those things out. 
Don't let people minimize what is going on. Oh, well, Dad, it's just this. Dad, it's just that. You've got intuition just like your lovely wife does or, or, or your mother does. You've got something you need to listen to as well. If something doesn't seem right, you need to say something about it. Because if you're not passing on your values to your children, they will learn the values of others. And then as they grow and have their own homes, you might go into that house and, and not, not recognize it at all. But sin might have taken over at that point. And that is something, gentlemen, that we must be ready at the gate, at the door, to defend against. Well, men, do you feel alone? I hope not. It's been something that's happened in recent years where most men do feel alone. Because a lot of the things that we used to go to, they're not happening as much anymore. We've lost some of the social aspects in our lives. But thankfully, we do have a congregation here that I hope you feel connected to. I hope you're able to use your talents. I hope that you're able to be here and know that you can positively affect the children here and sharpen the iron of other men to help them be who they need to be. If you are alienated from any of these, if you're alienated from God especially, come forward this morning. Let us pray for strength. Let us pray for you to have guidance, to have clarity, to have wisdom if you're a Christian already, and you, just, you need some strength and support. Let that be known this morning and let us assist you. Or if you're not a Christian, anyone here not a Christian, come forward as well and let us assist you and baptize you into the body of Christ this morning. Come now as we stand and sing.